0: Our reading this evening is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women, Oh Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You have probably heard or seen the children's stories about the Bernstein bears, which were a, a practical, immovable object in my childhood. We read, I think, every one of those books. Uh, I can't necessarily recommend them. There's some things I don't like about them. Ask me about it sometime. But there's one book that really stands out in my mind. I just looked it up the other day to remind myself of it. The Bernstein Bears Forget Their Manners. Sister and Brother Bear were at a birthday party and they got to being really impolite. They came home with some really bad habits and they were rude to each other all the time. They were awful, saying mean things, calling each other bad names. And their mother had quite enough of it. And So she put up a chart on the wall, the politeness chart. And there'd be penalties for doing things that were impolite, things that were rude. Well, the story goes on. Brother and sister bear. they decide, this: we've had too much of this chart, so we're going to teach mom a lesson about trying to get us to be polite. They said, we're going to be super polite, extra polite, annoyingly polite to one another. And that's just what they did. Of course, it backfired on them in the story, because they found out that being polite to one another was actually pretty nice. It made life easier and more pleasant. Even Father Bear learned a few lessons along the way, and that's, well, that's another story about Papa Bear in those, in those Bernstein Bear stories. But in any case, the problem, the problem with the story, as true as it is, that politeness, being kind, not being rude, is a good and valuable thing, politeness kind of greases the skids of life, it makes things run more easily, it's important for us Christians to recognize that politeness Politeness is not the same thing as what Paul is describing in our lesson today. It's not the same thing as gentleness. It's not the same thing as the love that God shows to us or that we should show to one another. Politeness doesn't quite cut it. Yes, politeness is a good thing. It's an expression of goodwill towards other people in the hope that they will also show you some goodwill. It's a give and take, and it usually works out. It's, a, it's one of the ways that our world runs better. But, but, the problem or the shortcoming with politeness is that it doesn't recognize the reality of sin. It doesn't recognize that sometimes things are done to you or by you out of malice, out of spite, out of ill will. And in those cases, politeness, mere politeness, can't do anything about it, can't change anything. Which is why the word that Paul uses, let your gentleness be known to everyone, your gentleness is not just politeness. It's not just being nice. It's not Minnesota niceness. It's something else, something better, something far more profound, something deeper, something that deals with sin, something that does not ignore or deny or overlook or minimize the reality of sin. Gentleness, quite to the contrary, acknowledges the problem of sin. So to think about what gentleness is, I want you to imagine the difference between going to the doctor, so you, you've had shots before, or you've had an IV stuck in your arm. You know the difference between the kind of nurse who gives you the shot with gentleness, concerned about how this is going to feel for you, not wanting you to suffer unnecessarily. The difference between that nurse and the nurse who doesn't give a rip. It's just going to poke you, no matter what it, how it feels to you. Or it's the difference between how a parent may deal with a scraped knee so there's always going to be one parent who is favored by the children over the other when it comes to scraped knees because one parent is gentler than the other one parent scrubs really hard to get all the dirt and rocks out of that scraped knee the other parent is more delicate trying to minimize the suffering trying not to inflict more pain than is necessary gentleness gentleness acknowledges the reality of the injury. Yes, there's something wrong here. Yes, there's some pain that's going to be required, but also the goal is to minimize that pain. The goal is, in fact, to heal and restore. That's what Paul is talking about when he says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. That's why it's completely compatible with what he did in our text just before he talked about gentleness. Did you hear what he did? It's it's kind of shocking. He calls out these two women Euodia and Syntyche. He calls them out for this quarrel that they're having with one another. He just names them. Can you imagine if from the pulpit I started naming people? <laughs> this is what Paul is hap- has doing here. He sends a letter to this congregation. He names these people. He says they should agree with one another. You should all encourage them to agree with one another. And notice that that is not at all incompatible with gentleness. That's picking the rocks out of the scrape, knowing that there's got to be some pain, but they have to be removed in order for that wound to, to heal. This is what Paul means when he talks about gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. It's the gentleness that Jesus himself exhibits. When he looks at you and me and does not kill us, but restores us, who does not look at us lying on the side of the road like that injured man in the parable of the Good Samaritan and just walk by on the other side, or say, well, they sure had it coming, serves them right. But instead, stops and binds up our wounds. Stops and pours on oil and wine. Stops and pays whatever it costs in order to make us better. Jesus is the one who fulfills the prophecy from Isaiah that the Lord's servant would not break a bruised reed or smolder, or a snuff out a smoldering wick. Think of the gentleness that's required to take a smoldering wick and reignite it, as opposed to snuffing it out. That's the gentleness of Jesus, whose gentleness is nowhere seen more vividly than on the cross. When he prays for those who crucify him, Father, forgive them. He doesn't look past their sin. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't say, this really isn't a big deal. He doesn't minimize it, but he forgives it. He forgives it, even as they nail those nails into his hands and his feet. That is what gentleness looks like. Now Paul instructs the Philippians, he instructs you and me to let our gentleness be known to everyone. And it's important to to hear that correctly. It's gentleness that is the virtue exhibited by Christ in rescuing us from our fallen and lost state. But it is not the virtue that we prize most highly. In fact, if you were to ask any one of us, ask anyone on the street what they want people to think about them, it is generally not. But they are gentle. And in fact, in the face of any kind of conflict, what we always want is not to be known as the gentle one, but as the one who is right. We want our righteousness to be known to everyone. We want our vindication, our justice to be seen in everyone's eyes. The last thing we want to be known as is the one who is gentle. That's why Paul admonishes us today. Let your gentleness, not your righteousness, not your goodness, not how stru- stern you are for the truth, not how, uh, how fervently you sought to defend yourself, but your gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. You can do that. You can be gentle. As Jesus was gentle, you can be gentle. As Paul is gentle with his congregation, you can be gentle because you have known the gentleness of God. You are ones who have been lying on the side of the road like that poor fellow, and have had your wounds bound up. You were at one time a smoldering wick and a bruised reed, and you have been restored. You have received the gentleness of God, and that is why you can show this same kind of gentleness to others. Because you trust in the gentleness of God. That's what Paul is talking about when he says, what you should do in your life as Christians is to pray, to take everything before God, To run to him as the one who will clean your scraped knee, pulling out the rocks and the mud gently and binding it up. You should flee to him all the time. Whenever you are injured, whenever you are anxious about anything, turn to him. Turn to him. Let your prayers be made known to God. Let your requests be brought to him. And hear this promise that goes along with that. Because he is the gentle one, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul doesn't make it probable. He doesn't say, this might happen. If you pray to God, he might hear your prayers and he might comfort you with his peace. No. but your prayers and supplications be brought before God and his peace will guard your hearts and minds. His gentleness will be applied to you. You can be gentle to others because your mind has been filled with the mind of Christ, who did not count equality, with God, a thing to be grasped, but instead who exhibited all of these virtues that Paul lists at the end. He says, think about these things. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything virtuous, think about those things, which is to think about Christ himself, the embodiment of truth, of loveliness, of honorability, of justice, of virtue. Think about Christ and see in him the gentleness of of God applied to you. And hear again this promise. Think about those things, practice those things, and the God of peace will be with you. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No maybe, but he will be with you. That is how gentleness works out in our lives. Gentleness is one of the ways that we spend ourselves. I talked last week about how we are to spend ourselves in the faith, putting our trust in God crucifying our flesh, struggling against sin, loving our neighbors. It's one of the ways that we spend ourselves by being gentle when our flesh wants something to the contrary, when our flesh wants to be right. You can only spend yourself if you know that someone else is, at the end of the day, paying the bill. And that's exactly what you have in Christ. You're not spending your own gentleness, and you're not spending your own love. You're spending His. And His is beyond measure. So put it to good use. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. and The God of peace will be with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.